Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is Season 4, Episode 259 of this Daily Study Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us once again today as we continue our study of this week's Come Follow Me materials covering the week of September the 26th to October the 2nd in the book of Isaiah chapters 50 to 57. Today we're going to focus on Isaiah 53 where we're looking at uh, the prophecy, the discussion about Christ's first coming. And we're going to start today in verse 3 where it says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. So a number of things here that refer to the two that can refer to the saviour. And it's important at this point to notice before we continue on today, that of course, um, you know, there are a number of suggestions about who uh, or how uh, this prophecy is fulfilled. Of course, with the Jewish faith who don't believe Jesus Christ or Jesus of Nazareth uh, was the saviour and other factors like that. But for us, this is very specifically talking about Christ. But of course, there can be other um, links as well. Uh, Some suggest this was talking about prophets such as Jeremiah and those others who were prophets of the Lord who, again, went about and were persecuted and um, were um, chastised for what they did and didn't stand out from the crowd, but tried to help others to find the Lord in their lives. So just a bit of a reminder on that, really. But for us, you know, the Saviour is a a clear um, fulfilment of this. So notice here that he was acquainted with grief. He was a man of sorrows. Acquainted with grief is interesting because it suggests that he knows about it. He's, you know, he's a person who um, is aware of grief and, uh, and how... It's not normally in his life, perhaps, but he is acquainted with it. He knows how it feels. He knows uh, what it is like. Um, And and that makes a lot of sense with how the Saviour was. Filled with a perfect faith and um, hope for the future, but also, you know, still mortal and still having to go through the trials of mortality. And it's a perfect example of how even if you live a life that Christ would want you to, as best as you can, you are still going to go through difficulties. It doesn't uh, exempt you from great challenges and difficulty and grief in your life. Uh, Elder Joseph B. Worthland said, quote, May I extend a word of caution? There are those who feel that if we follow the Saviour, our lives will be free from worry, pain and fear. This is not so. The Saviour himself was described as a man of sorrows. Those early disciples who followed the, the Christ experienced great persecution and trials. The prophet Joseph Smith was no exception, nor were the other early saints of this last dispensation, and it is no difference today. Close quote. So again, that reminder. Unfortunately, <laughs> that if we follow the Saviour, it does not exempt us from trials and difficulties. Um, in verse four, it says, "Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows; yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted." This is where, you know, where we say that this must be talking about the Saviour, as he not only was acquainted with grief and sorrows, but he carried our own grief and sorrows. He experienced it so that he could know how we feel uh, and support us with difficulty. 
Um, Sharon G. Larson, uh, Sister Sharon D. G. Larson said, quote, Years ago, I was singing Handel's Messiah with a group of people from different faiths. Um, during one particular practice, the Spirit told me that I was not only singing notes, but I was singing my testimony. I knew with all my soul that he had done that for me. For a moment, the 300 other voices became a whisper, and I felt like I was alone with the Lord. I felt his love and reassurance that he had carried the griefs and the sorrows of my teenage heart, and through my obedience, he would continue to walk with me for the rest of my life. To feel that blessing and comfort and complete love from the Lord is worth any price. Close quote. It continues in verse 5 to explain, But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Um, a really important part of that, that to know that he not only knows what it's like to be us and to go through what we go through, but he has put, carried it onto himself so that we can then be comforted and carried through this life uh, with a lighter burden because that burden can be placed upon him. But we need to be willing to do that. Are we willing to actually let go of what the world is troubling us with, uh, to let go of the things that are weighing us down, the sins that so easily beset us, and truly, truly release it onto the Saviour? And remember that, you know, sometimes I think we feel guilt when we um, invite Christ into our lives and we ask for that help and we pray that the, his atoning sacrifice may relieve us of our burdens because, of course, we are placing it on him. But we are told that to do that because he is able to carry it um, plus much, much more uh, and that he wants us to do that. Elder T. Todd Christofferson said, quote, We don't have to attempt the impossible in trying to rationalise our sins away. And on the other hand, we don't have to attempt the impossible in erasing the effects of sin by our own merit alone. Ours is not a religion of rationalisation nor a religion of perfectionism, but a religion of redemption. Redemption through Jesus Christ. If we are among the penitent, with his atonement our sins are nailed to his cross, and with his stripes we are healed. Close quote. Um, we need to turn to him. We need to to live his gospel. We need to strive to to do what we can um, and know that our best is what the Lord is asking for. And only our best, even if we keep falling and we are doing our best, as long as we are you know, following the principles of his gospel, then we can have the atoning power of him, his sacrifice in our lives. Um in verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. This is, of course, referring to the way in which um, the Saviour um, gave himself, laid himself down all, basically on the sacrifice altar um, to, to go through this um, atoning sacrifice for us. Um, he didn't do it, you know, with a struggle. He didn't uh, do it uh, arguing all the way to to his grave but he he did it willingly and he did it knowing full well what was about to occur um, further fulfillments of this isaiah chapter in the life of christ we see clearly in verse 9 where it says and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence neither was any deceit in his mouth um Straight away, you think about how he was 
uh, crucified with uh, other with two thieves um, that we read in the old in the old in the New Testament account, and also he was buried uh, in in a tomb uh, that was provided by a rich individual, um, both of which fulfill that part uh, of this prophecy uh, or this foretelling of uh, this individual who would go through these things. Uh, and then in verse 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Um, I love this. And Mosiah 15, uh, Mosiah chapter 15, um, Abinadi talks more about this idea of this seed. And in verse um, 11, uh, it says of uh, Mosiah chapter 15, um, who who this seed are. Uh, he says, Behold, I say unto you that whosoever has heard the words of the prophets, yea, all the holy prophets who have prophesied concerning of the coming of the Lord, I say unto you that all those who have hearkened unto their words and believed that the Lord would redeem his people and have looked forward to that day for a remission of their sins, I say unto you that these are his seed, or they are the heirs of the kingdom of God. Uh, so we see here that when it's talking about seeking his seed, he sees us, all of those people that have heard the words of the Lord through the prophets and have turned their lives toward him. They are his seed. They are children of the covenant. Uh, and it is us that he sees. And for me, this makes the atonement, a much more, the atonement of Jesus Christ, a, a much more personal um, act that not only did he just take upon him a big bunch of sins and iniquities and sorrows and feel them all at once, he did it for us individually uh, so that he could know us on, a, on a, the most deepest level that you that anyone could ever possibly. Um, and I think that that, for me, is one of the most beautiful things about the atonement of Jesus Christ that I've learned as I studied. And as I keep studying, I'll learn more about it, but that is one of the most beautiful things. Uh, for me personally. Thank you so much uh, for studying with us today with us in this excellent chapter. Uh, we'll continue with the other chapters uh, for the remainder of the week. Uh, thank you for your time and until we meet again. <laughs>